0: Buy now, pay later, or BNPL, is a trend that's picking up in Singapore. You get to enjoy your goods and services without paying full upfront cost. And most of the services are offering 0% interest, which sounds good. But you might be thinking, will I overspend? Will I get into debt? There must be a catch to it. Let's find out if these perceptions are true and how does it compare to Installment Payment Plans, which has its own acronym too, IPP, Installment Payment Plans. We also look at some data and consumer trends. Make a guess, which age group among Singaporeans do you see a spike in BNPL usage and why? And what do people use BNPL for during covid nineteen circuit breaker in Singapore? Let's find out how to use BNPL to your advantage. Hello, my name is Andrew and welcome to another Chill with TFC session. In this series, we hope to bring on interesting and relevant people to help us learn better from various perspectives. Life is not always about learning from the people you agree with. Different perspectives shape us to be more well-rounded in our thinking. So, in the pursuit of the life we love, while managing our finances well, let's see if BNPL is a tool that can help us. My guest is the COO and co-founder of Hula, a buy now, pay later company. We find out how BNPL is different from credit cards and other forms of payment. I also ask him about MAS, Monetary Authority of Singapore's stand on BNPL schemes. Cause I'm sure preventing excessive consumer debt among Singaporeans is something they are concerned about. For you as the consumer, we talk about responsible spending, late fees, and how you can make payment on time. And apart from freeing up your cash flow, what other benefits are there in using BNPL? Let's hear from Arvin Singh. So tell us about Buy Now Pay Later and how it is different from installment payment plans. And apparently there's an acronym for it, IPP, right? Correct, the plans. IPP
2: and the BNPL question. The key differences between Buy Now Pay Later and an installment payment plan, you know, there's elements like the interest payment. So an IPP tends to have some sort of either processing fee, operating fee, or administrative fee, something in there that essentially needs to be calculated out as an annual interest rate uh, or an effective interest rate. BNPL, in general, is no interest or no charge to actually make use of the service. Generally, the fees are borne by the merchants rather than the consumer. The other difference is that IPPs tend to bias towards more long-term installments, so 12 months, 18 months, 36 months, and the revenue stream tends to be from the consumer rather than from the merchant. I think that, that's probably one of the biggest differences with BNPL is that it's about creating value for, for merchants. Of course, the consumers get a, a lot of benefit as well, but the revenue stream is uh, merchant-driven. No interest up to a certain point or no interest mm-hmm. at all? No interest at, at all. But what if I default on my
0: payment as a consumer? What So happens?
2: there are fixed late payment charges applied, but they aren't compounding, they, they don't stack. Um, they're essentially one-off late payment charge tied to the payment that you miss. So, say it's three payments that you're you're due to pay. Generally, in a BNPL model, you will make the first payment upfront. So, on day day one of making the transaction, um, you know, in our in our view, the next payment is 30 days later. In Singapore, for example, um, if you miss that. We take a slightly different approach. We don't apply an immediate late payment charge or, or anything like that. We'll take the route of communication first. Let's get in touch, email, SMS, let Notification. The consumer, correct. Let's hit the customer on their mobile device because that's probably where they're, they're going to spend their time and then ask them to make the payment. Generally, people, the number one reason is they overlooked it. They I, just, for, I forgot. That's it. Right. I, I, I forgot. I overlooked it. Oops. Thanks for the reminder. It's a much better experience for a customer and we find that what we get from that by communicating instead of just hammering you with a fee is a customer that's going to trust you better is going to probably use the service again um, rather than just saying you know what you kind of took advantage of of, uh, a lapse in in memory right now we we try to be proactive we'll send a, a reminder a couple days before it's due but you know, pe- people miss that stuff as well. Mm. Yeah. So buy now, pay later, BNPL, seems like it's a good thing
0: for consumers. Are yeah. IPPs more for credit cards? Or Correct. What other IPPs are there?
2: Yeah. yeah, IPPs tend to be linked to a credit product that you already have. It's bank-driven. It is somebody that's already onboarded with the bank. For us, it's interesting because we open it up to debit card holders as well. You know, they have access to an instrument to make the repayments. They're generally paying with, call it cash that they have, not a credit product. So they're making their repayments with you know, essentially directly their bank account uh, balance. So it's really money that they have uh, to be able to make that payment.
0: Okay, so the
2: only payment
0: they might possibly have to make will be late payment fees. Is that all? Anything Correct. else? No, there's no other fees or charges to a consumer. Okay, so just to summarize, the difference between BNPL and IPP is that it's more short term, three months, six months, Correct. and that there's no interest. And the only fees you might possibly pay will be your late payment fees. Correct. Unless you keep rolling over that late payment, yeah. You listen, shouldn't be paying too much out of I pocket. mean,
2: the reality is the late payment is, is fixed. It's a fixed dollar amount, so it's it's not going to be like I said compounding in any way. Uh, it's not going to. And as soon as you hit one late payment charge, you know we'll, we'll kind of pull the plug and say, listen, you're not going to do any other orders until you pay off that late payment, um, and, and then move forward. If I'm honest, the majority of customers, like I said. It's really because they forgot, and they'll make the payment uh, before we even apply a late payment charge. You're saying that it's more on the merchant side. Do they pay a fee? Is it a percentage? What is it? What we allow the merchant to do is essentially receive the full amount, of course, minus a a small transaction fee that we charge, without taking on any of the risk. Um, So it's on us to get the, the, the amount from the consumer. Inherently with that model, it also means that we are essentially paying to a merchant before we actually have the cash flow. So there is a working cap, like a, a, a deficit essentially that we mm. have to receivables. fund. Receivables. Right. Okay, so the receivables before... So actually to run this as a merchant would mean that you'd have to be sitting on a huge pile of cash mm. to be able to fund the business. So Hula is sitting on a huge pile of cash? That's, uh, <laughs> doing that's this at this scale one. means that you need to continuously access that working capital aspect of it, that, that cash aspect, so you can keep growing the amount that your merchants are, are processing. So it is an inherent part of the business model. We work with a few partners on that side of it. Um, but it's one of those complexities of the business model. Yeah. Mm. I've seen BNPL getting more media coverage
0: this year. Is it a relatively new concept? How long has it been around? Well, BNPL,
2: it's well over a decade now that it's been around. Mm. Um, it's probably gained more popularity in Scandinavia as a starting point Um, In Australia. Australia is probably seven or eight years into the the model now. And at a maturity point, the US has recently taken off as a result in the last, say, three years, Um, and Western Europe as well. In terms of where we are from an Asia-wide or even Southeast Asia standpoint, more specifically, it's a very early days still. Mm -hmm. I think we're still establishing uh, the business model. And while there's a lot of Media coverage or, or generally press about it, it is still really the early days. A lot of what we're doing right now is still educating both consumers and merchants on the business model and, and how it works. So it's yeah. relatively early in Asia, but you're saying that it's been around for at least 10 years. Yeah, it, the, the concept of buy now, pay later has been around for, for a long time. Or um, well, the concept of credit has been a long, around longer, <laughs> but <laughs> the whole idea of, of this Yeah, I, of I this mean, attaching it to a product rather than receiving dollars, right? That's really... If you think of it conceptually, you're buying a, an item, right? You're not getting access to cash or, or getting a, a, an amount of money deposited to your bank account. Um, that concept of a retail product, yeah, probably a bit over a decade, um, largely out of Scandinavia, is as, as kind of the starting grounds.
0: Definitely a lot of education to do. The first thing that my friends said when I brought it up today yeah. is that, you know, it's, it's going to a way to get people into debt. Mm. How do you address that? If you're focusing on the merchants and not the consumers, then it doesn't seem to be too much of a problem.
2: It is because, and, and this is where the business model gets fun, and, and again, how it differs from perhaps the traditional IPPs, um, or, or call it the other financial instruments out there. We're inherently motivated to have customers pay on time, which is really interesting as a concept. Traditionally, an installment plan makes more money when customers make mistakes and pay late mm. right they, they will get lots of fees that stack up whatever late payment charge we might have is not enough to make up for the working capital like the cash flow deficit that, that evolves from this so generally well, actually all of the time we're super motivated as a business to have customers pay on time so it means two things happen one we overcommunicate to customers, like when payments are upcoming, when everything is due, when it might run into overdues, how the model works, what the fees look like. Like we're super, super transparent about it. Two, we actually make a decision to say no, both to prospective customers who are coming on the platform for the first time, and to existing customers who we believe are potentially overextending themselves. How do you access the financial situation? Banks have credit score, but h- how do you know? Let me put it this way. My current credit card limit is based on when I was wor- working in a very corporate role. Not a startup role. hasn't been updated. Correct. So <laughs> it is highly outdated and right. probably completely irrelevant to what I should be having access to. Now, mm-hmm. I'm a ho- hopefully a responsible user. I've adjusted it myself. Mm-hmm. So I make that call. I'm like, hey, listen, you're going to have to take my credit limit down a bit. Um, but that's where I think the financial institutions traditionally are reactive in that way. They're waiting for three, five years for somebody to update their situation um, or, or their employment uh, circumstances. I've been into branch and they've not asked me about my employment situation at all, um, which is quite fascinating when I think about it. We We're making a decision based on how well we know the customer, their history with us, their payment history. And generally, we're stepping in at a point to say, you might have the money, right? You, you might have more than enough cash to make the repayments, but we're going to have to take this position to say there's a responsible space and then it gets to that point where it's not no longer responsible and it's, it's tough because we are essentially saying we're going to turn down some good orders, good revenue, good growth. But there's a long-term position that we think that is more important, which is we're not going to contribute to folks getting into financial overextension. Mm. So you're saying that you don't have to depend on
0: people's forgetfulness or honest mistakes. Yeah. And therefore, you're actually quite motivated to make sure people pay on time. And what do you have in place to make sure that consumers like myself pay on
2: time? Um, in terms of the paying on time, I, I think it's, it's more about ensuring that you're not overextending yourself so that you can pay on time. And I think that's really where the responsible aspect for, for us has to come in, which is we're not going to let you do 10 orders in a weekend, right? Like that, that's just not feasible with, with our platform. Other buy now, pay laters, other payment systems, they might allow you to do that. Um, but I think they're setting up everybody in the ecosystem for failure as a result of, of that type of approach. So we'll take a proactive approach to say you're at a limit point and we'll step in. Again, the messaging is really difficult to get it right, but we We will step in, but inherently with the model, it is so short term in the three month period that there's a lot of predictability for customers. There's fairly good stability for their cash flow. They understand what you know ninety days from now looks like better than what three hundred and sixty five days from now looks like right so i th- I think it's easier for them to predict their financial position in, in that ninety day window
0: okay, so that's one big misconception they've just cleared up. What
2: else hmm um Maybe there's some some views around the technology side again, in terms of how robust that might be. You know, I think anybody in startup or, or fintech kind of gets that lens for, from the market or from from, say, a traditional uh, FI or that view that, oh you you know. Can, it's startup tech, or it's a it's a startup. That that kind of negative view that we might not be as robust, robust technically as others. You might close up the next day. People there, there's a need bit some of trust. That. It's more about how you build technology, mm-hmm. um, rather than than say the longevity or financial position of the business. But it's are you building bank grade systems, right? And are you holding yourselves to that type of threshold of quality of building and i think that's it is important actually it's good that that scrutiny exists because it pushes us and makes sure that we are doing exactly that you know we're building robust systems we've got great engineers we're not cutting corners when it comes to this type of stuff we've got the best security available in place all of those things because we're dealing with transactions at the end of the day that customers are making mm. that needs to be safe yeah how about privacy concerns I think that's an interesting one because I think it comes down, again, to transparency in terms of privacy concerns. Of course, the security and everything else, customers give you access to their information to make a decision about their position. You need to hold that pretty sacred. We're not passing on, say, a score or anything like that to any third parties or any view of doing that. Um, I think it's really important that we tell customers, you're here to use our service. We will hold that data intact. Uh, You know, we're we're not going out there to sell your data or use it in any other way. And that's really important. But it's also about just being super, super transparent. Okay, so BNPR is getting more attention in Singapore. I just want to pull out
0: this article. The, the Monetary Authority of Singapore announced that it's reviewing BNPR schemes to determine if there's a need to ring fence overspending by consumers. And this announcement actually follows a trend, a growing trend of younger consumers engaging in BNPR schemes online yeah. to purchase items that mm, they may not otherwise have been able to
2: afford upfront. Yeah. There's two views on this. One is more about the data and the other is more about the the regulation side. You know, it's been years since we had our first engagement with MAS. It's something that we welcome. You know, the first engagement we had was, was many, many years ago, before we even set up the business, really, and got it going. Um, they've been super supportive in terms of the fintech community and getting startups going in Singapore. And I think it's an important conversation to be had. We, we welcome that perspective, that position from the regulator, uh, their feedback. It is an important thing for them to have a voice on and whatever conversation needs to be had next, we will partake actively. Um, we will be a part of that discussion. Mm. So and what came out of that discussion? What are the
0: parameters? What are the guidelines? If you still remember, it's uh, been a few I'll years be honest.
2: At that point, it, it was more so just to understand a business model. Is that not... Mm. Mm. What is this new thing they introduced exactly. to the Singaporean that, consumers? That was exactly it. Yeah. It was just hammering the questions through just to make sure that they understood the business model. And that was it. Um, beyond that, it's it's not been that intensive. It's as required. Payment Services Act is there. You, know, you can see us on the website from, from the exemptions on the Payment Services Act. It's very transparent. I think Singapore is very, very easy to deal with that regulatory engagement, get that conversation going, get the dialogue. Any further dialogue, I think, is, is more than welcome. There's been more, I would call it more informal dialogue through some of the law societies as well, just to understand how existing regulation works in Singapore and having an open dialogue. I can say that we were the only BNPL that proactively participated in that discussion. And I think it was important that we brought an industry lens as well, uh, not just to make it an academic conversation. It needed to be about the practical considerations for customers as well. Um, So I think we'll see some more conversations like that happening. I I think there's an opportunity as well for the industry to come together and start looking at some best practice um, you know, I'd like to see some of the other BNPLs walk away from some of the aggressive like campaigns of doing X number of transactions in a short period of time. I think some of that stuff needs to to go away for this to be a healthy um environment as well for users.
0: Oh, it's getting they're trying to get more engagement on Correct. their apps, right? I mean trying to build a habit. Correct. Like
2: what most social networks are trying to do. Correct. And I I I get the intent, but the outcome probably isn't what they're hoping for as well, right? Like there is a position where customers using that platform is going to have a challenge mm. at, at a certain point, right? Um, so I think it's important that the industry comes together and set some standards in terms of we hold ourselves accountable as the BNPL industry. Again, it's very early days and, and there's generally a view that you don't want to do too much so that you kill innovation. Um, but I do think that the the industry is growing very quickly The uptake is quite high and it is going to get to an inflection point sooner than in other markets. So the industry does need to come together and have that conversation. I think the other thing on your point was more around that data on consumers, the the age of the consumers, Hmm. the spending habits and and what they're doing. That really holds true in the US, I've seen with the data that's out there. There was a recent study that came out in Singapore and we, we actually worked with the the folks that did you know, work with them. It was after they had done the work, they reached out to just validate some of what they found. And we were able to, to actually um, confirm some of the things that they had come, come through with that, that research piece, which was the age of BNPL in Singapore in particular is older than, than expected and a wider range than expected. Which will be in the range of? So 24 to 34. And that they have a tendency to overspend or? Not at all. So that was the interesting other piece of... So 24 to 24, they are on BNPL? Correct. The folks who have Mm -hmm. actually used BNPL are largely in that, and it's very smoothly distributed across that age range as well. So it's not like everybody's 24 to 25. The the question actually that they had was around what is age... age range within that kind of purchasing? Is there a propensity to purchase different type of products? Singapore is a very interesting market for for many reasons. Folks tend to hit that BTO age, the HDB kind of first purchase, first home ownership at a specific age range as well, you know, that late 20s, early 30s type of, and you can see the home furnishing kind of
1: Purchases. Okay. purchases
2: kind of step into that. It's really, really interesting to see how this market is unique in its own mm-hmm. ways and how customers behave in this, uh, in this market. But, but we look at it like there's a group of customers. Um, you can't use your HDB loan to do furnishing, right? So BNPL. Correct. Coming. We are now helping a group of customers do something that enable their, their day-to-day life. COVID also had some really interesting trends. For example? Um, home furnishing uh, home again stuff, right? home stuff mm. went through the roof whether it was computer desks chairs standing um, desks e- standing desks, <laughs> and all the ergonomic that. stuff did really well the interesting gaming chairs there was a bit of gaming uh-huh. chairs definitely the interesting one for me was looking at kitchen appliances start to take off like the yeah. smaller kitchen appliances people are making uh, bread bread making <laughs> coffee at home you want a better coffee machine at home you're not going out every day to buy that Starbucks. You, you want to invest in some good coffee at home. It's really interesting. People really started to invest in their work from home situation or just being at home more often. I think they wanted to be more comfortable if they're going to spend you're going to spend like 20 hours at home every day. Probably even more than that in, in most cases, you're going to want to have some of those comforts. So folks really did make that investment, and there's a long-term view of those investments as well, right? That standing desk is going to last few years. You know, that new sofa is going to last years. Um, it's not really a terrible investment for, for the family. It was a really positive thing to see people really take that ownership. And even now, right, we see folks still making those those types of investments.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: Okay, so from the data you're seeing, you're saying that the observation that young people
2: might overspend might not be true. There's, there's no conclusive I, evidence of co- Correct. And mm. I think the, the thing we need to keep in mind is that we're in a very different part of the world. And, and we we might be a bit lucky in Sing- like Singapore's data is quite unique always, right? It's mm. Even in the context of the rest of Southeast Asia. But we've seen that in other parts of Southeast Asia, like we're in Malaysia as well, we're in Hong Kong now, we're expanding into other markets in Southeast Asia. We're seeing the data that, you know, even some of the qualitative data that we have, the, the use cases for BNPL are not quite the same as say in the US or Australia or in Europe. So it is really interesting to, to just keep reminding ourselves, expanding a product across Asia is complicated. Every market is different. It behaves in its own way. It's one of the things that we love about living in this part of the world, but it makes doing business very, very difficult. You need to keep that in mind all the time as you expand a a solution into new markets. Hmm. So what other quirks about Singaporeans do you observe? Um, If there are any? Let's see. We have broken into the 60 plus age range in Singapore Again, some of that is furnishing and and some of the the household items that that come into play. But I think also launching into physical retail last year, um, we were privileged because Singapore was able to open up uh, at a point last year and get back into physical retail. We saw that that started to create usage of that, say, an older demographic as well. Some of the merchants that we launched with as well were you know, it, it wasn't the, the Zalors and Secret Labs that we work with today. It was more of the BHG, right? It's a department store. You're going to get a broad range of users when you have a department store um, as well, and you have to be able to, to make the solution work well for that, that broad range of users. Help me to understand
0: some of the psychology. Why do they use BNPL apart from like smoothening your cash flow?
2: Yeah. What else? So smoothing cash flow for, for sure. Um, one of the best stories that I've ever had, I was actually at an event... Um, two years ago and somebody came up to me and it was just so out of context. Um, he, he was like, you helped me get my bed. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, seriously, I had two options on the table. I had this really cheap, flimsy option. I knew was going to last maybe a year. Then I had the thing that I really wanted, which was a, a good investment, a quality product. And then I saw you guys. And that changed my decision making completely. I wanted to invest in a quality product. You helped me get it. Because if I had to make a one-time full payment, I would
0: just go for the cheaper so-called triple option or more right. inferior product. in might last me one year, two years. Correct. But if I use BNPR, I have more options. Correct. As long as I manage my cash flow well.
2: Correct. And mm. I think that, that's what it comes down to. This is somebody who had steady job. He you know, was doing investments on the side. Pretty responsible um, person and actually in the, in the VC space as well. Super, super interesting. But just wanted to share and there was this emotional moment, right? You helped me get the, the thing that I actually wanted, the higher quality thing that I wanted to get access to. It's not about buying 10 of the things that's going to break. Buy one of the things that's going to last uh, and be that really good investment into a quality product. Mm. Yeah. At the same time, there are many other ways of making
0: payments, right? There's, the, of course, credit Correct. cards, and you can get points, you can get air miles in a pre-COVID world, <laughs> and a, hopefully a post-COVID world. And there's also what else, cashback, And we have 0% interest installment plans from banks nowadays. Correct. What advantages does BNPR have over all
2: of these other payment options? Yeah, I think one of the the things that sets us apart from, say, a credit card, for example, is that you need to have a credit card. You need to be banked as a user, as a starting point. And, And maybe outside of the Singapore context, this is even more powerful. Even in Singapore, a lot of our users are using a debit card to make that purchase. Now... What's the motivation behind that? You know, We've done a bit of analysis, we've spoken to some customers. There's a few different reasons. One, some customers like using money that they have and their debit card represents money that they have, which is really interesting uh, approach to it. Two, they have a lot of control about the repayment. They can pay early if they wanted to. Um, they can pay very early if they wanted to uh, and they can kind of manage that cash position a lot better uh, as a result. Three, there's a bit of distrust around traditional players because there's always the the, the small text, the, the hidden uh-uh. T's and C's, right? Mm. That's right. And I think if you've ever missed a payment on a card or you've looked at what the underlying processing fee is on some of the traditional installment products, you start to realize that it adds up quickly. I do think there's a, a role for for those products. I'm not sure that we tackle that type of product, though. So... You know, I, I think a lot of the times uh, a, a retailer will ask us, "Oh, I've got an IPP plan, I don't need BNPL. And we'll say, well, who does that cater to? Tell me a little bit about those customers who are using an IPP. And it tends to be fairly affluent, has access to a credit card already with a decent limit, doesn't mind their limit being locked up for whatever period of time, 12 months, whatever it is. And they don't get the, the points as well. The Points don't apply to IPPs. Mm-hmm. We're short-term. You you get past it quickly. There's a psychological element of not having something linger over you for a year or two years as well. That's really important for us. We probably help you get access to less expensive products as well. So it's not about making a ten thousand dollar purchase using using BNPL. Um, you know that that's not even in the consideration zone. So I'll tell a retailer like if you have products or a basket that um, home furnishing is probably a, a great place for this will help you kind of get the sofa and the rug and and get it nicely laid out in the living room. But if you're kind of refurnishing your entire house, we're probably not going to be the solution for that, right? And it's okay for us to understand what we're not as well. Going back to a basic question. So am I paying more for BMPL? For example, something
0: costs $600 and I make three payments. It's $200 each time?
2: $200, that's it. It's a term called surcharging on a payment method. We don't allow surcharging on, on, on Hulu. Merchants can't do that. Correct. Okay. Any tips and strategies for using the NPL? Plan on buying the things that you need as always, right? So consider what it is that's going to make life easier, the right investment, um, good quality products. Uh, generally, the type of advice I take when I'm trying to buy something myself um, or, or that I would give to a close friend, right? Make sure it's within your budget. Don't think that this is something that's just, you know, you kind of do it and you forget about it. Make sure that you have the either cash in the bank or really the cash flow coming to be able to make your future payments. Good
0: thing that BNPR is relatively short term, three months, six months. So look at your cash flow, make sure you can pay up. If you have a friend who's overextending his or her credit,
2: what would you say to that person? I mean, the only way to nip that in the bud is to stop any of the bleedings. you stop spending immediately. It's an interesting one you can return products from time to time. That is an option to help your cash flow if you haven't used a product. There is an option to return sometimes, especially if you've kind of seen yourself slip in and and make an overextended purchase. It might be worth considering return or refund um, to be able to give yourself that cash flow back and give yourself the breathing room, right? So I think it's an option that folks don't necessarily consider a lot of the times, but it is there, it's on the table you know, I I think if you're, if you're chatting with a close friend about this, you want to make sure that the inherent behavior is being changed. Like they are being more thoughtful about what it is they buy, when they buy it and kind of not, not just jumping from sale to sale. Right. Mm. Um, so yeah, some of the things I would, you know, maybe lay off of some of the, the sale newsletters and things like that, right. That, that kind of drive some of that. But for the most part, I think it's just, take ownership of where you are financially, understand what it is that you can spend. And for folks who who do have a tendency towards more impulse, you need to write it down. You're going to have to write down and document where your, your finances are. You need to make, make a chart of it. You need to I don't know, go old school, use a spreadsheet, but put it down and so, so that you can understand what it is that you're able to spend. There's a lot of budgeting apps out there in these days that can help you do that more effectively. Okay, so come as a friend and they
0: trust you. Correct. And uh, so you actually, just try to help them out?
2: My, my spreadsheet was given to me from a friend uh, who, I, who, who I respect his ability to do financial planning. It's a budgeting spreadsheet? Correct. It's okay. a budgeting spreadsheet. He built it for, for himself um, and just gave me a blank copy that I could build on top of. It was exactly that. It was just reaching out to a friend for help and, mm. and yeah, they were able to, to help out. Talking about trust and you mentioned trust earlier and you've been in
0: fintech for a while. Do you see anything in the industry that suggests that they might be going against that philosophy? predatory practices
2: what Um, have you
0: I mean the the finance
2: industry sometimes have not such a good reputation yeah listen that's a fair call out and I I do see it from time to time you know I'll flip on Instagram and I'll see something that kind of stands out and again it's kind of this short term spend as much as you can type of of mentality and you know I, I think that that's one of the things that we've really tried to stay away from I think where I see folks getting a little bit carried away is that Everybody's eligible, right? Everybody shop this weekend or, or, or the next whatever, three days or whatever it might be. I, I think it just creates a cycle that, that's not sustainable for customers in general. So that that's something I'd like to see a, a lot less of in, in the market out, out there with financial products. I also think generally the discounting approach to e-commerce, that at some point there's going to be a, a cliff that things fall off. There's
0: off. a sale every month now. Correct. It's
2: not just 11-11. <laughs> Correct. Um, to be fair, the the data for us, I'll be open about it. Eleven, eleven, like November is where we see the real spike. That, oh, that in usage of
0: BNPL. Yeah. Whoa. And so does it cause more people to not being
2: able to pay? No, yeah. no direct um, okay. spike in non-payments or late payments or anything like that. Mm. It's just, I think customers anticipate it they plan for it like right? mysterious shoppers are you know, I'm going to wait for the biggest discounts now because I know when it's coming everything else is kind of a a mini sale compared to to really that time but we see it and I think the interesting thing about being in other markets now and expanding is that we actually see the cycles of retail start to take shape and they're different depending on which market you're in so it's one of the fun learnings as well as, as we kind of grow it's, um yeah you kind of get a pattern start to form uh, of some of this stuff
0: okay alright
2: thank you thank you Avi
0: I hope you've learned something useful today and I truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconuts knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared debated and discussed Join our community telegram group. Follow us on our socials. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. For more information, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week. And remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Three questions for you. Yes. First question. What
2: is one core life principle that you hold? There's this concept of of working hard and and working smart. And I think it's important to do both, depending on on the circumstance. And we should always be looking at being more efficient. Um, But hard work also has its merits because there's no better feeling than seeing that outcome when you you know you've put that sweat and effort into it. But it also means that you don't get stuck that that's the only way to do it. You, know, you keep improving and you keep working smarter over time as well. And it's not a very snappy principle, but it's one of those things that I, I, I do kind of live by. Yeah. Okay.
0: What's one piece of financial advice that you think should be shared more often? You shared a few today, but let's go for one of it.
2: There's nothing wrong with writing down what you spent, right? I, I think fo- folks need to hold themselves accountable and, and do it more often. It's okay. It's scary sometimes because, you know, like, oh, am I going to overmanage or, or micromanage myself a little bit? But really, when you start to write it down, you'll start to see the value. So don't be afraid to, to put it down. Whatever method works for you, whether it's an app on your phone, it's a spreadsheet on your computer, it's a notebook that you carry, whatever it is, just start writing it down and, and you'll start to learn a little bit more about yourself as well. What is one area of your life that you are giving additional focus right now? Mental health. <laughs> Um, it, it's a hot topic, especially given the the Olympics and some of the conversations happening um, right now. Th- th- maybe it's the ba- counterbalance to the work hard, work smart type of attitude. You know, we work really hard. We're we're in startup mode. Um, we're grinding all the time. We're faced with lots of ups and downs. The emotional roller coaster is exactly as people say it is. You have really high highs and some really tough lows. So it's important to kind of step away from it from time to time and take that mental moment to rest and recover. Um, for example, this, this past Friday, we actually had everybody take the day off, just mental health day. Yes, next week's a long weekend as well, but it doesn't matter. We're going to take a day. It's mental health day. I don't want to see anybody on Slack. I don't want to get an email from anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, my, you know, my team called me out and said, you need to do it as well. You know, mm-hmm. You're going to have to practice what you preach a little bit. It's like, okay. I sat there in front of the computer. I watched it in front of the TV. I watched the Olympics, enjoyed it, just zoned out a little bit, and really, um, you know, I feel super, super energized as a result uh, of it. It was really necessary. So I think it's something that I will be focusing a lot more on in terms of of that personal mental health piece.
0: Mm, You you know, I'm really glad to hear that because, well, number one, we are talking more about it, which is a good thing, to yeah. raise awareness and to hear companies actually taking steps, proactive steps, instead of just talking about it, right? It,
2: it's, it's really difficult to push folks to take vacation days nor, like in, as you would normally. Like I, I remember in, in, it was 18, early 19. It was, it's quite, okay, I'm going for a weekend to Bali. Yeah, sure. You've got cover. Yeah, all good. Um, I'm going to take a week to go to, to Europe. All right, cool. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get some backup in place. I went to, to Africa for three weeks in 2018 as a founder. Of like, my t- we figured it out, right? And that was easier to do given the circumstances uh, pre-COVID world, right? So now it's hard to tell somebody, take a day off or, or take a week off. And they're like, what am I going to do with it? Where am I? Go- I can't go anywhere. So we, we just have to force the issue and say, you know what? Everybody's going to turn off. So you, you don't feel any type of pressure to be on. Right. Be- no, if people everybody's saying, doing it, I'm taking then- leave, but I'm available. You can correct. still text me, call Ex- exactly. me. Exactly. And we that wanted to just nip that in the bud. Mm-hmm. And we looked at different options. This was the one that made sense. And I t- the team on on Thursday afternoon, I was like, "What are you guys doing? You know, just casual update. W- what's happening in your life over so the next few days?" And most folks, you know, I'm going to rent rent a car, just drive around the island a little bit. Sure, go for it. You know, fun. Netflix. Just. Just binge watch something. Cool. Sounds good. And a few folks, yeah, watch the Olympics and just relax a little bit. Right. And going back to finance, financial turmoil
0: certainly affects your mental health. Absolutely. So your motto, responsible affordability. Affordability. Correct. That's right. That's my takeaway for today. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.